0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Hughes Interviews. I'm here with Hannah Greenwood and Dylan Watson, uh, two of the producers of Lightning in Jar, which is a production company uh, specialising in straight theatre. And they've got a show on at the moment, Venus in Fur. Uh, So guys, welcome, number one. Thanks for having us. And talk to me a bit about Venus in Fur. First, for all our listeners, where is it and uh, when is it on? Uh, it's at 45 downstairs.
1: We opened last night and we run until the 24th of March, so a couple of weeks. Great great venue as well. It's perfect for the play. I mean, it's set in a kind of basement in New York and that's exactly what 45 looks like, so we didn't really have
0: to do much to it to make it look appropriate. Amazing. Yeah, well, it's it a pretty easy set design for the... and so uh, why Venus and Fergus? What was the thinking behind choosing this particular play? Is there a strong message that you think uh, prevails at this time or is it just something you boys guys have wanted to do?
2: Um, We first came across the play uh, so we all met at uh, Larry Moss back in 2012 I mean obviously Dylan knew each other beforehand but that's how they met me and it was, actually, that was the first time we saw the play because it was one of the scenes that was used in that masterclass. Not that we did it, but... Um, so we've been aware of it for quite a long time. It's actually been around for a while. It's never been done in Melbourne. It's so amazing. And so it explores the world of 1870 when um, Leopold von sachsen uh wrote Venus in Fur. Um, and also this time of now... And kind of blurs these two worlds so the director slash writer and the actor slash character are exploring these works and playing with the power power struggle the entire time and it just feels it's really good timing for a play like this because yeah you start off you start off feeling one way about it and end up feeling complete
1: opposite yeah it's um It really explores, like, gender and sex politics in a way. It was very prescient, I guess, but also very current. I mean, it was written in 2010, and it's really only been the last kind of, what, five, six months that that Weinstein and all of these other, you know, space, and all these other characters have started kind of being...
2: Mm.
1: um, being called to account for their actions over the last God knows how many years, and so... Decades, probably. yeah, Yeah, so it's really kind of horrible to think about this but it's you know really benefited us in terms of the context of the show Um,
2: and people want to talk about it afterwards too I think what's really lovely is when you do a show like this and people want to talk about it um, and they want to hang out after the show and ask you about you know this bit or that bit Mm -hmm. or or I just get a message from a friend the next day going hey I'm still thinking about your play I think that's
0: thought provoking
2: Oh man, great! Yeah, and,
1: okay. yeah definitely. Like every night that we've, every night so far, we've had the audience kind of stay in their seats for the next good few minutes afterwards, just kind of trying to get their heads around what's what's occurred in the play, and it's then good. No one's in a rush to get out. Then yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll have people afterwards being like, "Oh, we're really keen to discuss it." You know, like people going in groups upstairs to have the drink and like talk through the themes of the play and stuff. So it's really great to, that we're kind of activating people so much. Mm. It's always a good sign that you're kind of telling a story well Mm -hmm. if people are kind of really moved by it and galvanised by it to
0: have discussions. Great. Amazing. And so it's quite different, I'm guessing. I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it soon, though. Uh, But from the first show that uh, your production company, Lightning Jar, did, uh, which was stupid fucking birds. I've got the explicit rating, so I can say that. Um, Which is (laughs) almost a modern... take on...
2: The Seagull. The
0: Seagull. Yeah. By old mate, Jankov.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was, yeah, so Dylan and I found that script just because we decided we wanted to put something on. We found this script and just thought, oh my god. Um, and, yeah, it just...
1: It was very, like, very meta-theatrical, very irreverent and cheeky. Mm. And it was the kind of show that you'd the audience be like laughing and rollicking for about forty five minutes and then suddenly you get hit in the heart and you just kind of finish the show just being like (laughs)
2: um
1: so yeah there was much more, you know, there was a bit of audience interaction. It was yeah, much cheeky, whereas this is a bit more straight in that there's, you know I mean it's still kind of a play within a play, which is interesting and it wasn't um it's kind of coincidental it wasn't done on purpose so we didn't necessarily want to carry that kind of play with it a play th- um, theme across across different productions but um, just the way it worked out. yeah it's just the way that it worked out and I guess in a way it's a, like a nice transition for our fans to go from like kind of something that's cheeky and irreverent and involves the audience through to eventually something where you know it's just the story mm-hmm. you know and no stories within stories kind
2: of thing and they both involve adaptions which I hadn't even thought about either yeah. you know like one's the talking about the adaption of a book written in 1870 and the other is an adaption of Chekhov. Mm. But, yeah, again, that was sort of accidental. It's just we love great writing. Great writing is mm-hmm. the thing that we just want to do.
0: Great. Um, well, that's good. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Stupid Fucking Birds. I thought it was very funny. And as you said, it got me at the end, you baggers. Um <laughs> But, yeah, so Lightning Jar uh, production. So why, why, what's the reasoning behind the name? with that one that's yours
2: it's me (laughs) um so as i've mentioned before we met at larry moss and dylan and i did a scene together from um, dreamer examines his pillow and it's a very full-on scene it's very operatic in its emotions and scale and one of the lines uh that donna says to tommy because they're having this almighty lover's tiff is she says um Oh, no, actually, is it Tommy? No, it's Tommy. Tommy says there's lightning screed in a jar here, talking about their emotions and their feelings towards each other and how kind of diabolical it is. And I feel as if that's what you want to capture when you see great theatre. You want to see something that is caught within a moment that is almost unbelievable Mm. and you can't keep your eyes off. I also think it's a really great way to describe what actors do. We... Use things we live life and we store them away in this little jar and then we have to let it out the right opportunity. Nice. That's where it's come from.
0: There we go. Now, that that well and truly explains <laughs> it. Um, and so, w- what got you guys into producing? Was it a a lack of of work out there or just the des- uh, desire to put something on? I mean, look, on? yes, there's always there's always that element, you know.
1: Like like it, I feel like there's a lot of actors that go into producing kind of reluctantly just as a way to kind of do the work that they want to do and it was kind of that it was also we weren't seeing a lot of the kind of theater that we wanted to see you know like like Hannah was talking about um, Larry Moss earlier and I feel like he really gave us a really good example of what amazing theater could look like I mean this was a masterclass with actors that had only had their scripts for two weeks with no directors and Larry was there kind of working these people in their scenes but it's some of the best theater I've ever seen in my life and so we wanted to kind of replicate that. Moss's photo co- focus was on the writer and the intentions of the writer and how best we can, you know, put that. And I feel like a lot of the theatre that we see nowadays and a lot of the theatre that's kind of lauded um, is representational in different ways. There's a lot of focus on director as auteur. You know, like you will have a classic like, I don't know, The Wild Duck and you'll see something completely different done or The which was absolutely brilliant, um, and there's so much work like that, but there's not a lot of really genuinely traditional straight theatre where someone's just gotten a really great script and they've been like, okay, how can we tell this story as the writer intended? So it was a little of, of both of those things. And we and then when we came across Stupid Fucking Bird, we were like, this is it. Like, this is so perfect. Um, hadn't, you know, no one in Australia had done it before somehow because it was a few years old and we were just like, well we don't want to sit around and wait for someone else to do this. You know, we have roles that we feel are great for us, but more importantly, it's a great story and a great script, you know. And I feel like that's our focus too is, whereas a lot of theatre companies will start up and they'll be more about, well, I want to play this role, so I'm going to do this play. And then most theatre companies will do one, maybe two shows, and then they'll just drop off. Whereas we were like, well, you know, I mean, Tilly's their third member she wasn't in Bird. Venice and Fur is happening now, Hannah and I are in it and it's just Tilly and that's I feel like that's a great thing for us because it's not about us and the roles that we want to play it's about mm-hmm. finding the right stories and telling them mm-hmm.
0: It really balances it out as well
1: Yeah and it gives us the opportunity to support each other I mean thankfully there's three of us and so we can kind of help each other out and you know and it, this is such a great example, I mean Hannah and I are just supporting Tilly and Darcy the other actor as much as we can and, and Kirsten our director and it's kind of a nice position to be in to just kind of sit back and help someone else um,
0: shine in in their role. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. That really does, (laughs) yeah. Fantastic. Um, Okay, well, let's get into you guys a little bit then. Um, So when did you guys first catch the acting, but we'll start with you,
2: Hannah. Uh, I, from a very, very young age, I was a very shy child. I used to hide under desks, um, couldn't spell and I couldn't read. But I really enjoyed telling stories. Just stories were the thing that I just loved beyond anything else. And I was a very imaginative kid that spent a lot of time in imaginary worlds. And my parents were a little bit worried about me. Uh, and in year two I got cast as the main character in bossy boots. <laughs> <laughs> and um uh my mum uh rang the school and said you can't you can't put her on stage, she's too shy, you've got to be joking. And my year two teachers just told her, No, you need to come and see. You need to come and see her. You need to come and see the show. And um, I'd been saying since probably I was maybe five or six, as soon as I found out that the people on TV were pretending, I was like, hell, I want to do that. Um, so I'd be telling mum I wanted to be an actor for years, and she saw that and finally went, okay, let's let's make this happen. So I got my first role on TV when I was 11. Oh, wow. Um, and did quite a few kids' series and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, from a very young age, because that's where I felt like I was most at home. And I love it. And I still love it, even though it's so freaking hard. Mm. But you do it because you have to.
0: There's nothing else.
2: Yeah. There's nothing else. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing.
0: Oh, how about you, Don?
1: Um I um, started by wanting to get the attention of my parents, naturally, because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of... Um, kids do yeah i i just remember my sister and i with a family friend when we'd go over to their their house we'd invent these stories i think like the most common one was hell house where we were, it was like the three of us and we like <laughs> well, pretended that we were cow. like yeah i know but we were like pretending that we were like trapped in this like evil hell or whatever and <laughs> oh. we had to like escape it and then we'd like create these stories and then we'd go so um my parents and uh our friend celeste's parents used to kind of you know have a drink and play Dice and like card games and stuff, and there was a big, like, um, uh, window looking outside. And we'd get outside the window and be like, Mom, Dad, watch us tell a story. And they'd be like, Yeah, okay. And they would not be watching at all, they'd be very involved in their dice game. But we'd like act these whole stories out. I think I was about nine or so, and then I, and then my first actual role on stage was around that year, it was in year four. Up in Byron Bay, and I played. Um, it was like a spoof of um, of Rapunzel, and I played the prince. And I went hell for leather. I don't know. I like. I I I love how inspired I was. I found tights that fit me. I got like mum's like big white billowy top that she had with those like i don 't know what they 're called, but they 're like those like elastic bangles that kind of help prop up the yeah oh like um, to make
0: them kind of puffy
1: yeah, or... to make them puffy, so I like went all all out with this like full costume and and did this show, and then, yeah, I was just like, well, this is what I want to keep doing, and so I was just getting involved in all the school plays and my parents enrolled me in a bunch of acting classes outside up at Alstonville which is actually where I actually trained with um, Suma Lewish who um, started theatre sports like it's, it's her brand and so I worked with her for a couple of years and moved down to Melbourne to, to kind of get into acting but it wasn't actually until 2010 that I actually had any formal training and that was at 16th Street and that was when I realised that it actually takes a lot of work to, to become an actor and how much work can be involved and how much further I had to come in order to kind of be able to be a professional
0: and mm-hmm.
1: yeah, but yeah, it's been since a very early age and I've had, you know, quite a few kind of TV, film, theatre credits mostly theatre, that's kind of where my passion is and
0: yeah, that's brought me here yeah, here you are on the other side now for a bit, Ooh. until the next one, I hope. Mm. Um, okay, well, talk to me a bit about 16th Street. How was that? Was it a one-year or two-year course? It was a one-year full-time, and full-time, maybe three days a week. Um,
1: for the year, we had, um, you know, your standard stuff like voice, movement, um, Alexander Technique, um, <clears throat> but then it had a couple of other core teachers that taught things that at that time weren't really taught anywhere else. Um One of them is character creation with this woman, Penelope Chater, who's still like an absolute mentor and guiding light for me, Um, uh, which is like a technique based on like Jungian psychology crossed with Laban, Um, and it's fascinating stuff and it lets you really kind of shift into different kinds of character, like it's specifically for creating different characters and kind of stepping into different parts of yourself energetically. So is the little barn giving you the physical thing and then the... the Yeah, so like you're using, you know, pushing, pulling, kind Mm -hmm. of all that kind of stuff. and and all of that. Yeah, 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 and trying to inhabit it physically as well as vocally. Like what does it mean for you to kind of press with that word instead of glide or whatever Mm -hmm. and how that affects what kind of person you come across as. Um, So after the year of full time, um, Larry Moss was brought out for the first time and that kind of really energised a lot of us. So it was the last week of the full-time course was seeing um, Larry and so then the next year um, we participated and that's how Hannah and I met and I've just kind of been doing for the first kind of two years after finishing full-time study I was continuing with term classes at 16th um, with Penelope and with some of the other teachers and you know doing keeping up with voice and movement and stuff and now I just do privates. Like I'll do classes when they come. Penelope's now traveling the world teaching her she's one of I think six teachers that, that, that teaches what she does um, Tom Hardy Gary Oldman um, Anthony Hopkins are people who use these techniques um, so yeah so she's in Toronto at the moment teaching she goes to New York LA London um, and she's back here in kind of July, July June yeah but yeah that's been a really big inspiration for me and and um, Kerry Armstrong was quite amazing as well she was kind of more focused on like um uh, Utah Hagen technique, so kind of a combination of those two things
0: was really the focus and what kind of helped me get an idea of what, what I wanted to do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And how about you, Anna Did you do any formal training uh, outside of being on the shows when you were young? I mean, that's yeah. a pretty great training ground uh, in Yeah,
2: um, well, that was the thing is when I graduated um, high school and I did my first play, I realised I didn't know what I was doing because my um, entire background was TV. Mm. Uh, So I applied and went to Whopper for, um, you know, three years, did the acting course over there, which was amazing. Mm. Having three years to study what you love is just incredible. And I was there during the real golden age of um, Whopper as well, where they just had incredible teachers and all that kind of stuff. It's very different now, and I'm sure it's still very good. (laughs) But a lot of the teachers that I worked with aren't there anymore. Mm. Um, And, yeah, it was really, really good for me because it just meant that I could – Own the stage more, and I learnt more about stagecraft. And it gave me even more of a thirst to just continue to learn, which is, you know, why I did things like Larry Moss. Um, I've worked quite a bit with Howard Fine as well over in L.A. Um, Yeah, I just want to learn more. And also, of course, with Penelope as well. I did Penelope's class last year. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, great. Well, I mean, mean you can't stop with acting. That's when you... Yeah, and I think that's,
1: that's one thing that I think 16th Street taught me, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily the case with people who come out of larger institutions like Whopper and NIDA and VCA that, that you should never stop training. You know, like, There's always something new to learn, and the idea of you doing a three-year or two-year or one-year course and being like, cool, well, I'm a trained actor now and I'm done with my training is kind of ridiculous. Like When you think about you know, people playing in the AFL don't stop training, you know they're professionals they're at the top of their game but they're constantly training you know and there's that's no reason job. yeah there's no reason why it shouldn't be different with actors so, I mean the, the bummer is that no one's paying for us to train we yeah, have to pay out you of know. our own pocket that's yeah um, but I mean it's worth it you know like the amount of money that I've poured into my training has been paid back in spades in actual paid gigs and I mm-hmm. know that that's because of the training and the discipline that I learned at, at 16th Street and, and you know through other people
0: amazing well just before we go um Let's leave with a few closing thoughts on Venus in Why should people come and see it? What, what do you think is uh, the hook for everyone?
1: It's very relevant. Yeah. Um, it's a cracking two hand I've I've said it's a bit like Sorkin on stage. You know, like he, like Ives is really known for his really quick, witty dialogue and and power plays, and you just everyone that that has seen the show so far, like we, you know, we've been there every night and just watching people in the audience and just seeing how people and everyone's like leaning in. There are so many shifts in power throughout the play, um, that really engage people. Um, it's very exciting. It's, you know, 90 minutes of cracking theater.
2: Yeah. And it's a challenge. It's a challenging piece as well. I mean, 90, it's one scene, it's one scene and two actors just kind of going at it. And that's, incredible to watch it's electrifying and yeah as it's one of those things where i've seen it quite a few times now and i just wish i could see it for the first time Mm. and know what it's like to experience that so you do you find yourself watching the audience um but i would tell people to come because you know independent theater in melbourne we're really trying to put on incredible shows um we need support and we also have put on a really great show that needs to be seen deserves to be seen and also might start a really great conversation as well
0: mm. great well uh, you guys can get along to see Venus and Fur I'll put in the uh, the links in the bio uh, guys thank you so much for coming on thank you all thank the you. best for the rest of the season future projects uh, everyone at home thanks for listening uh, make sure you like subscribe and leave a review it helps me reach a wider audience and I'll
2: i uh, get in touch with you guys next time, I guess. Thanks for listening. Bye.